So thanks, everybody. I uh, really appreciate having the opportunity to present here with Michelle and Will. My name is Rob Brewa, and I'm a geographer at the Department of Earth Sciences. Um, and today we'll really be kind of finishing our transition of exploring various aspects of modernism by culminating in landscape. Geographers have that bias. And uh, also discussing the idea of high modernism and how hospitals can be read for high modernism. Um, just as an aside, when I'm talking about Bozeman Deaconess Hospital, as will become apparent very quickly, it is the uh, former Bozeman Deaconess Hospital. And so uh, we'll be really exploring ideas of modernism and high modernism through an exploration, a symbolic reading of that landscape feature, with particular emphasis on what MSC architect and MSC trained architect Hugo Eck uh, did in his renovations and additions of this particular structure. So as a geographer, I'm really pumped about landscapes and cultural landscapes in particular. And cultural landscapes are often called our unwitting autobiographies because in building something, we're putting efforts into that landscape. And then the structures and the visible imprints that we leave behind, they reveal hidden values and cultural norms and expectations that people have and aspirations. So today, I kind of work on that assumption of we can read landscapes for these aspirations and values, and we're really going to be focusing on how in post-war Bozeman, we were able to understand Bozeman Deaconess Hospital as being a structure that reveals the values of modernism that Michelle and Will have introduced and will just expand on through today. So today, really my central research question comes out to being how does a reading of Bozeman Deaconess Hospital inform our understandings of modernism and high modernism? And in particular, how does it complicate understandings of high modernist thought? And because I know this is a rather longer talk, uh, if you take away anything from today, I hope it's that uh, we remember the individual shape landscapes in enduring ways. Oftentimes we talk about collective identity, but at the same time you have individuals making decisions based on their experiences that leave enduring marks on the landscape. And then also we see a transition from modernism to high modernism. And I've been throwing about and bandying about the term high modernism, so hopefully this next slide brings us into that. Yes. So we've kind of alluded to some of the ideas of modernism, uh, maybe form-following function and streamlined aesthetic and so on, simplified aesthetic. High modernism is sort of an offshoot of that, and you can think of it as sort of being modernism on steroids, and James Scott calls it uh, a muscle-bound modernism. Because for him, and he is an author with whom I'm sort of engaging with in conversation through this case study, we see that James Scott suggests that high modernist planning and architecture and even just practices and so on and so forth are A, believing in a faith in science and technology is able to solve things and solve human issues. B, he seems to suggest that at the level of the state, uh, that is where high modernist thought really comes into play. So not just state as in state of Montana, but also state as in governments. And then see these sort of 
impositions of the state, of high modernist thought, oftentimes have unintended consequences because the state really fails to always address individual idiosyncratic moments in chaotic societies, right? And so in implementing a belief in science and technology is kind of a way to identify society's problems and then solve society's problems through sort of a standardization and a making these problems more readable and legible in daily life. Scott seems to su suggest oftentimes that those efforts fail. Um, as we see kind of through this very high modernist image of a hospital, that there's some good come about from high modernist practices and a belief in science and technology, particularly in the field of medicine. And that there are some other caveats that I hope to sort of bring to light today through reading Hugo X architecture. So we've got ourselves James Scott's sort of muscle-bound modernism as being high modernism. But in his discussion, and it's a wonderful book, I highly recommend it, uh, Seeing Like a State, he re really leaves very little room for individual agency and experience in kind of shaping and adapting high modernist practices. And that's what uh, we'll look at today, is we'll look at how an individual has kind of contributed to possibly the a high modernist outcome in a hospital in a way that works and is efficient. And we've alluded to this already, but as a geographer, I'm always interested, and a cultural geographer in particular, I'm interested in landscape. I'm interested in the ways that people interact with landscape and leave their marks on that landscape. As a humanistic geographer, I'm really interested in individual experiences and how they are reflected in landscape as well as communicated through arts and literature and architecture. And then as a historical geographer, and I'm having this browbeat into me by my advisor back at MSU, uh, you're always interested in examining how things change over time, right? And in particular, landscape features. So that adds that historical dimension here. And that's why I find myself in good company here at the MHS Historical Society. And I've already alluded to this several times, and I probably will do so at various points. But landscapes can be read for cultural values. And that's really what we're doing today. And in that, I'm sort of following in the footsteps of giants like J.B. Jackson and geographer Pierce Lewis, who both offer guidelines as to how to read landscapes for deeper meaning. And it's a lot of fun, and it's a nice way of seeing the world. And that's really one of the inspirations behind this project, is to just look at a structure and enjoy it for more than just the brick and mortar it is. So just to situate ourselves a little bit, former Beaconess, former Bozeman Deaconess Hospital is uh, in the north side of town and it is at the intersection of Tracy and Lamb, I believe. Uh, and today it's the Mountain View Care Center. Before, it was a very sort of organic structure that was be being developed in response to post-war growth in Bozeman. As the population expanded, so did the hospital itself. Uh, and we'll look at each stage of construction and kind of read it for its modernist and high modernist sort of symbolism. So before I talk about Hugo Eck, I have to talk about those who built for him. 
and uh, the first architect to really leave his mark on the Bozeman Deaconess Hospital structure that is now Mountain View Care Hospital, uh, Care Center, is Fred Wilson. And he began construction of the central wing in 1918 um, on the grounds of the former sanatorium. And so hospitals at that period were very much sort of a new thing, like they're modern hospitals, but they're a new development on the cultural landscape in that they were available for the general public and that care was being shifted from the home to these public spaces. And so what we see here is that Fred Wilson was trying to kind of bring a sense of gravitas towards that process and bring a sense of reassurance to people um, through architecture. And he did that by building a neoclassical structure. Some of the uh, neoclassical elements here include the ionic columns in the front, and indeed they are supporting a little engraving that says Bozeman Deaconess Hospital. It's still there today. And an arch pediment in the front as well. But then the three floors of that hospital kind of invoke this idea of the Greek uh, Parthenon. Many of us are, of course, familiar with that building. These dimensions look rather similar in terms of style, and the simple adornment is also there. And all of this is sort of pointing to the hospital as a civic structure. But the town grew, and so renovations had to be made, and World War II happened. And so, beginning in 1944, we start to see, again, Fred Wilson's wing. And this time, some elements of modernism are being introduced into the landscape, or into the structure. And this West Wing building is more simply constructed. Uh, designed by Fred Wilson, constructed in 1944 using federal funds. So we begin to see that element of state imposition on landscape. But then we also have a very austere structure, and one geared towards those kind of ideas of form, follow, and function. In that if you were to crack this open and look at the floor plans, you see that it's really designed to facilitate the training of nurses, which is, in fact, why that structure got funding from the federal government. It was to train nurses for wartime. And to that end, in the interior, you also had libraries, uh, Assume, I'm assuming that that was for uh, textbooks and so on, and nurses' stations, etc. And so this structure might be thought of as kind of a mon modernist civic architecture example, architectural example, designed for a specific purpose, funded by the government, and constructed swiftly and with no frills. And its presence really indicates that it has utility as a space of training. And now we reach our kind of man of the hour, right? Um, and that's Hugo Eck. So one of the critiques that I kind of level against James Scott is that he doesn't really give agency to the individual. So we have to talk about who Hugo Eck was and how his experiences inform um, his ultimate renovations to the hospital. So Eck, born in Butte, and uh, he becomes a MSc student in the architecture department. And wartime comes, he can't serve, right, in World War II because of some injuries uh, associated with his ears, I believe. And so he goes instead and applies his architectural design that he has learned at MSC in shipbuilding in Washington. And there, he's really gaining experience that will be reflected 
in the architecture of the hospital because he's really emphasizing the effective use of space. And you see this come along later. Ships, limited space. So Eck takes that lesson with him later on in life. After the war, he A, marries Dorothy Eck, B, moves to Bozeman and takes up a job as an architect. And uh, once there, he's living life. But uh, his interest in hospital renovation really comes about because he himself is hospitalized while attending his daughter's graduation in New York. He gets an attack of pancreatitis. And he would have died had he not been in um, Mount Sinai Hospital, right next to the most modern hospital in the United States. But even while there and under convalescence, he's seeing issues with the hospital process. And that is, there's not a very efficient use of space around the bedside. So when he goes back, he designs, he's inspired by this, and he says, how do we make that efficient mobility around the bedside? Well, we make it so that we have a power column in each room where you can hook up all the technological gadgets, most up-to-date and cutting edge, and make it so that that thing is out of the way of the doctors and they can access all the way around the bed. So he designs that, and you see images of it here, and he installs it and intends to install it in his renovations of Bozeman Deaconess. And indeed, he takes renovations of the hospital and guts the old two wings and makes it so that form is a bit more efficient. And we see some of that here. If we think back to the nurses' training hospital, has a library, no longer. It's not needed in a high modernist place that is now serving to a different set of clientele rather than training. The central wing that we looked at before, it becomes, rather than a wing that was catering to res residents of the hospital and patients of the hospital, it becomes the center of kind of administration and also the pharmacy itself. So you see this sort of emphasis on technological um, purposes and uses in the center, a symbolic center of the structure. And I say symbolic center because he also adds a whole new wing starting in the 60s and finishes it by 1971. And in that whole new wing, he's really establishing um, A, the use of modern materials. Uh, so think formica and tiling and ceramics and so on and so forth rather than the wood of the previous generations. B, he sets it up so that even passageways through the hospital as you're moving patients from place to place is easier. The doors, instead of opening outward, open inward in rooms so that you're not slamming a door into the hallway as you're moving a gurney through the hospital. The nurses' stations have views into multiple people's rooms. All of those things are just making movement efficient through a hospital because that's an essential part of healthcare is getting people where they need to be to receive care. Not really shown in these images quite so well are also the addition of mod modern surgical units. And uh, Eck was a principal designer behind that, where he incorporates the leading edge technologies and puts them into place in the hospital via these highly sanitary uh, surgical rooms, etc. And it culminates, sort of his design, really culminates in X. East Wing, which is finished in 1971. Uh, this is now where many of the residents of the Mountain View Care Home live. Uh, so I don't have any photos of the interior for their privacy, but I was allowed to take pictures of the outside, even though I got some stares from the nurses. 
And here we really see the introduction of A, a very streamlined aesthetic, tapping into that modernist and high modernist kind of ideal form following function. But B, we see the introduction of infrastructure built into the structure itself that help facilitate healthcare. Notably, you see the ventilation for each room, the large windows just to kind of make things nice for the patients inside, um, as well as sort of the inclusion of those very modern materials, construction materials of uh, steel and concrete, etc. And so just to kind of close out, hopefully I've conveyed the idea that cultural landscapes can in fact be read for deeper meaning and that Bozeman Deaconess shows that we see a shift in cultural values from what a hospital should do, right? Civic structure all the way through to a modernist structure and eventually a high modernist structure where science and technology and efficiency of movement are in fact what you need in a hospital. And then I'd also like to return to that idea of it's the individual's values rather than some maybe state imposition that helps have this process manifest itself in the landscape. With that, I think I'm going to close it out and thank you very much.